0: Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. The title of the message is The Problem with Procrastination. Good thing I didn't procrastinate, huh? (laughs) With C.S. Lewis, who imagined a scene where Satan... And his demons were having a discussion. And Satan cried out in a loud voice, Who will go to the earth and persuade men to accomplish the ruin and damnation of their souls? What message will you use? How will you say it so that men and women, boys and girls, will turn away from the things of God? The first demon responded, And he said, I will go and I will tell them that there is no heaven. Satan frowned and replied, No, that will never work. The book of truth about heaven talks about it and promises it to be a place where there'll be no death and tears and pain. People would never believe that there is no heaven. A second spirit glided forward and said, I will go. And I will tell them that there is no hell. And again, Satan responded, that will not work either. If nothing else, the conscience of man convinces him that someday there must be a reckoning for his deeds and actions. In fact, the book of truth has more to say about hell than it does heaven. We could never convince them that there is no hell. There was a pause, and then Satan added, I need a message that will appeal to all classes and all ages. Just then, another dark spirit glided forward and said, I have the answer, and I will go for you. I will not tell people there is no heaven, and I will not tell them there is no hell. I will tell them there is no heaven hurry. There's no hurry. Imaginative and fanciful, though that meeting may have been, that is the spirit and the message that has been chosen by Satan. What a masterful piece of propaganda. You've got time. You don't have to do it today. You've got another day, another service, another opportunity. You can deal with that later. Tomorrow you can do it. There's no hurry. There's a word for people who have the habit of putting things off. It's a word called procrastination. And we procrastinate in a variety of ways. We have projects around the house. We put them off. I'm sure it must have been a wife who said, when a man does a household job, he goes through three stages. Contemplating how it will be done, contemplating when it will be done, and contemplating. (laughs) We procrastinate about all kinds of things. Returning emails, paying bills, dealing with conflict. One person wrote, procrastination is my sin. It brings me not but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. But of all the areas we are most prone to procrastinate, the one area where people most often procrastinate is the area of their spiritual life. Honestly, and I don't say this with any animosity, but simply to encourage you to think about it, there are some of you here today, and you are no different than you were two years ago. You've heard two years of truth, and you've done nothing with it. Some of you have heard two years of testimonies. I mean, the tithing testimonies, we don't make them up. They are real. You've heard two years' worth of testimonies, over 100 testimonies, of people who have experienced the joy and the blessing of tithing, but it's never changed how you handle your finances. Some of you, for two years five years, ten years, have heard about the prayer meeting, have heard what happens. And I mean, again, Wednesday, we had an amazing prayer meeting, and yet you still have yet to commit to prayer or to see your prayer life change. Others have heard about track, about the fact that we're created on purpose, with a purpose, and yet still you've not jumped in, and still you're not serving. And it would change your life. And others this morning have heard one invitation after another from some of the greatest communicators on the face of the earth. And you're no closer to making a decision than you were two years ago. You're hearing the gospel again and again and again, and you're still lost. Sure, there's no hurry. Sure, there's a heaven, sure there's a hell. No one can deny that, but relax, pastor. I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow. If that's how you've been thinking, then this message is for you. Because as we come to Acts chapter 24, we have a man who was a procrastinator. In fact, he was a master at it. Maybe he'd done it all of his life, I don't know, but when he was confronted with the gospel, he, his response was always the same, there's no hurry, I'll hear it tomorrow. His name, history tells us, was Marcus Antonio or Antonius Felix. The Bible calls him Felix. He was a Roman governor before whom Paul stood trial. History tells us that he served as governor of Judea from A.D. 52 through A.D. 59. History tells us that he was a former slave who had become governor, not because of any leadership ability, but because his brother Paulus was a friend of the emperor Claudius. Tacitus, the Roman historian, just to give you a little background on Felix, describes him as, and I'm quoting, cruel, licentious, that means lustful, and base, that means depraved. He was first married to a woman by the name of Drusilla. She was the granddaughter of Mark, Antony, and Cleopatra. But when he came to Judea, he met the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. Her name, too, was Drusilla. She was 15 years old. She was married to the king of Damascus, but he seduced her and married her. Acts chapter 24 opens with the apostle Paul's trial before Felix. If you're familiar with it at all, you know that the chief priests have accused Paul of crimes and they've hired an attorney to present their case. His name is Tertullus and these are the charges he brings against Paul. Three of them. We're going to move quickly. Number one, sedition. Paul was a revolutionary troublemaker. They said this, we have found this man to be a troublemaker stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. Second, Their charge was sectarianism. Paul was the leader of a group of fanatics. Verse five, he's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. Now, we don't think of Nazarene, it was a Nazarene denomination, and and we think of Jesus the Nazarene, but the term Nazarene was a derogatory term. It would be Nazareth was a, a town in the middle of nowhere. If you were from Nazareth, you were the same as a hick from the sticks. You were uneducated, unsophisticated, backward. Remember, Nathaniel, when he heard Jesus was from Nazareth, he said, what, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So to call Paul the leader of a Nazarene sect is a way of saying they're backward, they're they're people that we shouldn't listen to. The third charge was sacrilege that he had desecrated the temple. And he even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. And Paul's gonna answer the charges in two ways. Number one, he's gonna say, I didn't have time to make trouble. You can easily verify, no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And the second charge is this, I'm not a cult leader, but I do serve God. So he says, I didn't have time to start a revolution. I only had 12 days, and that's not long enough to start a revolution. And then he says, I'm not a cult leader, but I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way which they call a sect. And what I want you to notice is he doesn't even try to explain to Governor Felix anything about the way which is interesting the reason why is because we learn later in the chapter in verse 22 then Felix who was well acquainted with the way how his wife is Jewish he knows about it he's he lives in Caesarea that's the same city where Philip the evangelist lives he's heard the gospel he's heard about Jesus He heard that he did miracles. He's heard about the message. He's heard about Jesus being raised from the dead. So Felix is very familiar with everything. Paul doesn't have to explain anything because he knows he is so familiar. In verse 16, Paul says something that we looked at a few weeks ago. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. And here's Felix, and he's sitting there listening, and he doesn't have much to say because his conscience isn't clear, because he's living with a woman who's another man's wife whom he seduced, and she's his second of three wives. So Felix sits there, and his conscience is on fire as he listens to this blameless apostle. And the question that faces him now is not only what are you going to do with Paul, but what are you going to do about the gospel? What are you going to do with Jesus? Felix, you've heard the truth, you're well acquainted with the way, so what are you going to do about it? Furthermore, Felix knows that the Jewish leaders have lied, they know, he knows that they have no witnesses, he knows it's a theological issue, not a civil issue, so it isn't even under his jurisdiction, and yet at the same time, he knows if he lets Paul go, the Jews will be angry, and angry Jews could start a riot, and riots could incur the disfavor of Rome. And yet on the other hand, he can't just execute Paul because Paul's a Roman citizen. If Paul hadn't been a Roman citizen, he might have executed him. But Roman citizens have rights, and if Felix denies those rights, he'll be in trouble with Rome again. So he did what a lot of people do when they're faced with a difficult situation. He procrastinated. He procrastinated. Look at it in verse 22. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, and it's called the way, that was what the the Christian message was called early on. Today there's a cult called the way international, but unrelated. So uh, adjourned the proceedings, and when Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. And I want to say, wait a minute. What do you mean when Lysias comes? He's already written you a letter. We know that from chapter 23. You don't need more information. Look what it says in verse 23. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. That's a guilty judge's way of calming his conscience without clearing it. Paul, you're under arrest, but guys, go easy on him. Take it easy on him. Verse 24. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Trusilla, was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. The Western text, which is an early manuscript in the Bible, it's from Antioch, tells us that it was Drusilla who wanted to see Paul. You know how those things go, don't you? You know, you're in bed, it's late at night, ready to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, your wife says, or it could be your husband says, hey, Felix, I heard. Felix says, honey, it's late, let's go to, let's, let me go to sleep. Felix, that, that poly makes me uneasy. Do you think we could see him? Yeah, sure, anything, just so we can go to sleep. That's what you have in verses 24 and 25. Several days later, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. What is Paul going to talk to this Roman governor about? I want you to think about this. He's very direct. He doesn't give him five ways to have a better self-esteem. He doesn't give him a message on marriage. He talks to him about Christ, because until Christ is in the proper place in our life, nothing else really will help us. He talked to them about Christ because Christ is what they needed. Look at it in verse 25 as Paul discoursed on righteousness because they didn't have any. And self-control because they didn't exercise it. And the judgment to come because they were going to face it. Paul is saying, Felix, there is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a coming judgment. You've heard the truth. For nine years, Felix, judgment is coming. Do you know how Felix responded? Verse 25. Felix was afraid. It's two words in the Greek. It's a form of phobia, but the other word means he was actually shaking. It shuddered him. It scared him. Paul got to him. He understood exactly what Paul was saying, but watch what he says. That's enough for now. You may leave. I'll hear you later. He did what he always does. Verse 25, when I find it convenient, I'll send for you. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Get out of here, Paul. And you know, you might think, well, that's the last time he hears Paul. Wrong. For the next two years, he hears Paul. Look at it. Verse 26, at the same time, he was hoping Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. And when two years had passed, can you believe it? For two years, this governor hears the most anointed preacher in the history of the church, one of the most. Yet there's no record of him ever responding to the truth that he heard over and over and over again. All he could think about was money. He was hoping maybe he could get a bribe, that somebody would pay him money to set Paul free. Money was all that he cared about. You say, what happened to Felix? Well, historians tell us that riots did occur and Felix was recalled to Rome. But I wonder if he was ever frightened again. You see, what happens is the more a person fails to act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the more they actually believe there is no hurry. I'll close with two observations. The first is, delay dulls the sword of the Spirit. Some of you this morning have never made a commitment to Christ. Others of you did at one time, but you're not walking in it, and you come to church, you come to service, you hear the gospel, you've heard it over and over and over again, but now 2 weeks, 2 months, 2 years have passed and you've never done anything about it. It's always I'll do it later. I know there's a heaven, I know there's a hell, but listen, I don't want to be rushed on this. I don't there's there's no hurry. Do you understand that there comes a day when Jesus stops knocking? Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's Jesus talking. It's the door of the human heart. He says, if anyone will open it, I'll come in. Do you realize there's a day Jesus doesn't talk anymore? You say, where would you get that? He said nothing to King Herod. And he said very little to Pilate. There comes a point when a person has sufficiently proven their disinterest in the things of God and God says listen you don't want anything to do with me then have it your way that's a frightening place to be in Genesis God says my spirit will not always strive with men that's why the writer of Hebrews says Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Three of them in chapter three of Hebrews, once in chapter four. Today, if you hear the Spirit's voice, do not harden your heart. Because there comes a day when a person has sufficiently turned off or turned against by ignoring the voice of the Spirit and the prompting of the Spirit and the pull of the heart, in Felix's case, that that accumulated fear of judgment. Fear of judgment's a good thing. Jesus said, I'll tell you whom you should fear, Luke chapter 12. Fear him, who after he's destroyed the body has the power to cast you into hell. And then Jesus says, yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus knew the Father very well, and Jesus said, you don't wanna mess around with him. Hell is a real place. The Bible talks more about hell than it does heaven. Heaven's a real place. The Bible's very clear. There's one way to get to heaven. That is through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Have you given your heart to Jesus? If not, why not? How many more times will you have to hear the message? How many more different expositions of Scripture will you have to hear before you you respond? Here's the problem. Delay dulls the edge of the sword of the Spirit. It hardens the heart, potentially. On the one hand, what you have is you have, initially, people say, you know, I see people come to church and, and they're not responding. I say, well, you can't stand next to the the fire without getting warm that's certainly true but then there comes a point where the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay where eventually there becomes a hardening because people become immunized if you will they've been exposed to enough of the gospel that now it's as if they've been inoculated against the gospel and they don't feel conviction and they don't feel any kind of fear and they don't feel any kind of urgency listen the bible The Bible declares an urgency about the decision to receive Christ. In 2 Corinthians, it says, chapter 7, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed hour. It's very clear about judgment. It's appointed, the writer of Hebrews says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And the Bible even tells us what that's going to look like. Jesus talked about the judgment. He said, I tell you the truth, Matthew chapter 12. On that day, men will give an account of every idle word they've spoken. You say, how could that be? It's all written down. John says in Revelation chapter 20, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on and earth and sky fled from his presence. You say, what's that? It's the uncreation of the universe in an instant. And uh, death and hell gave up the dead that were in them and the sea gave up the dead that were in them. And the rich and the poor and the small and the great were gathered before the throne. These are people who didn't give their heart to Jesus. It says, and the books were opened. And everyone was judged according to what they had done as was recorded in the books. Nobody will go to hell saying, I don't know how I got here. Or I don't think that's fair. No, it'll be, no, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. Can you imagine? Every idle word, every sinful deed, every sinful thought declared openly. You'll know exactly. And then it says, and if any man's name was not found written in the book of life, it's almost like God says, wait, this is the rap sheet, it's long, but let me just make sure. Was there ever a time they gave their heart to Christ? And the book of life is a book that is mentioned repeatedly in the Bible. And the book of life is where your name is written when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. It's written down. And when your name is not written in the book, you're not getting into heaven. Period. And if any man's name was not found in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire which is the second death. And by second death, it doesn't mean annihilation. It means eternal damnation and torment. You said I didn't want to live with God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want to give my heart to him. I didn't want to do it. So that was your decision in this life. And what we do in this life determines what happens in the next, straight up. This is the Bible, and it is all over the Bible. This is why Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, a few verses later, you, I tell you the truth, you must be born again. You have to. Do you understand that urgency? Do you understand that nobody's good works is going to get them into heaven? I don't care how nice a person you are. There'd be a lot of really nice people in hell. God offers a free gift of salvation. Will you accept it? Will you receive it? Will you say, I want it? Here's what happens. Second, delay fogs our mind with lesser issues. Do you see what happened to Felix? He got interested in making money because there's always something that grabs our attention. For two years, he hears Paul speak the gospel and here's one great truth after another, but... He never let it change his life. He never acted on it. Instead, he got caught up with lesser issues. Delaying your decision does that. I mean, and here's the way it works. Well, I wonder what people would think. What? You're worried about what people think? What are you you gonna do when you stand before the one whose eyes burn with fire? You will not care at all what people think. You will care about what one person thinks his, His eyes, his mind, what he thinks. You'll care about that then. Listen, I'm, I'm just simply saying this is true. And I fail you as a pastor if I don't tell you about this. You must know. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sin and my sin. Here's what happens, in Colossians chapter two, it says that at the cross, when you put your faith in him, it's as if that whole rap sheet, you know, all the things you ever did, it's nailed to the cross, and the blood washes the slate white as snow. Every charge, every accusation, everything you ever did that was sinful, that could have sent you to hell, gone, gone washed your record clean that's what happens at the cross but it only happens when a person makes a decision to give their heart to Christ when a person says I'm going to rededicate my life the Bible is very very clear whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Romans 10 13 shall be saved there's no other name under heaven given among men, Acts four twelve, whereby they must be saved. No other name. The Bible's true, I'm telling you it's true. And I don't know when your last day is gonna be and neither do you. Debbie and I were talking this morning about the motorcyclists down by Aurora that were killed. A drunk driver, 52-year-old woman, ran right into them head-on, a group of eight cyclists. You don't, if you'd ask them, what, what are, what's today gonna look like for you? What are, what are 10 eventualities? I doubt being hit head-on by a drunk driver would have been one of them. Middle of the day. You see, the fact of the matter is nobody knows. And I say this because it's true, not for effect. For some of you, this may very well be the last time you hear the gospel. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed next week, next month, next year. You don't know that. I don't know that. Nobody knows. That's why the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. There'll come a day when there's not tomorrow and your chances will be gone. If you don't know Jesus, it is the single most important pressing issue that you need to deal with today and not procrastinate by putting it off tomorrow.